Well, it's good to be back. I know that uh, Pastor Julie did a marvelous job um, while I was gone, and you were blessed by that. And uh, so now, I, uh, now I've got uh, big shoes to fill as I s- step back here into the pulpit. And uh, we're uh, starting a new series uh, that will take us through the summer. Americans are, are nuts about animals. And I could have the most riveting message and reveal to you the most profound biblical truths, but if my dogs walked in here today, all eyes would turn to them. They are. And others of you would, would reach out and say, Come here, girl. Who's a good girl? Who's a good girl? Sermons can't compete with cute animals. Sometimes even a hot date can't compete with furry friends. While I was on vacation, I saw a commercial for refrigerated dog food. The guy is making dinner for his date, and he asks her to get some carrots out of the refrigerator. When she opens the refrigerator door, she sees there a bag of dog food. What's this? she asks. Well, that's for Pepper, he says. Cut to the cute dog lying there on the couch, Pepper there. And she says, you keep dog food in your refrigerator? It's not dog food, he says. It's fresh pet, real meat, real veggies that you feed your dog. So it's dog food, she scoffs. The next thing you see is the door shutting on her and the guy and Pepper eating dinner together on the floor. You were right about her, he tells Pepper. (laughs) Like I said, we are nuts about animals. So this summer, if you can't beat them, join them. We're going to go wild, and every Sunday, we are going to look at a different kind of animal from out of the Bible. We're going to see what message God has to teach us through dogs and donkeys and hogs and frogs and birds and, and bears and And if you think you've heard everything that God has to say through his creation because you've read the story of Noah's Ark, well, think again. We're going to spend the whole summer looking at animals, and we are never once going to read Noah's Ark. (laughs) Because if you look in the Bible, you'll see that animals are everywhere, and there are lessons to be learned. And today we're going to start out with man and woman's best friend, the common dog. How many of you have a dog? Or had a dog at some point in your life. How many of you have had dogs? There's a lot of hands out there. 45% of people, of households, have a dog. Now, I, I happen to have two. I have two labs. They're Scooby and Penny. And for 30-some years, labs have been the number one dog in America. But last year, they are replaced by the French Bulldog. The French Bulldog has become number one for God knows what reason. (laughs) On vacation, we saw bulldogs in the airport, bulldogs on the beach, bulldogs in town. Bulldogs were everywhere. I didn't have the heart to come back and tell my two labs that they are no longer number one in America. It would break their hearts. But it would secretly please my cat. Cats are tired of coming in number two to dogs. 
A lot of people own cats, but not nearly as many as own dogs. And cats consistently come in second place when people are asked, what is your favorite kind of pet? Dogs, of course, are number one. Now, if it's any consolation, the Bible was written by cat people, not dog people. Well, maybe not exactly cat people, but certainly not dog people. Because in the Bible, most of the references to dogs are bad. Like in Proverbs 22, where it says, fools are like dogs because dogs return to their vomit. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Yuck. Bad dog. Bad dog. Dogs are known to eat the most disgusting things. One of my previous dogs once swallowed a whole toad live and started foaming at the mouth and it was, it was so disgusting. But not nearly as disgusting as the most disgusting thing a dog could eat and that is people. Perhaps that's why in the Bible the worst fate that someone could have is to be eaten by dogs. Two of the most ungodly, murderous rulers of Israel, King Ahab and and Queen Jezebel, both of them come to a fitting end as dog chow. Ahab is in battle and is killed, and the dogs lick up his blood. And for Jezebel, it's even more gruesome. Her own servants throw her out of the palace window to her death. And when the people are sent to collect her body for burial, well, the dogs have gotten there first. 2 Kings 9. But when they went out to bury her, they found only her skull, her feet, and her hands. When they returned and told Jehu, he stated, This fulfills the message from the Lord, which he spoke through the servant Elijah from Tishbe. At the plot of land in Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel's body. Bad dog. You know, even the word dog can become a a slur, an insult in the Bible. In Revelation, the people who are immoral and anti-God are called dogs. Revelation 22 says, Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Bad dog. These are bad dogs. And because of all this negativity, this bad dog stuff, some people have turned completely against dogs. I came across a a Bible site uh, that purported to give what the Bible says about dogs. And the author looked at all of these negative references to dogs, all of these bad dog stories, and he concluded that Christians shouldn't own dogs. He writes this, Dog ownership is a carnal desire and is sometimes driven by an evil spirit. The Lord does not directly say that we cannot own dogs, but he certainly implies it. Dogs do not save souls. Dogs cannot spread the gospel message of salvation. They do not bring spiritual growth. Obviously, this guy is a cat person. Dogs dogs serve no purpose in the kingdom of God. 
he concludes. Oh, but they do. At least the good dogs. And what I want to share with you in the rest of our time this morning is three lessons from good dogs in the Bible. The first lesson comes from the story of Job. You remember Job's story, right? He's a blameless man. He has deep faith in God, but he's tested by Satan. He loses everything and goes on to a bit of a pity party. And in chapter 30, he rants about how he is now looked down on by the kids of parents who, weren't, who aren't even worthy to be with his sheepdogs. See, Job had 7,000 sheep. And even with 10 kids, he needed sheepdogs to watch over them, to protect them, to guide his flock. They were good dogs. They were very good dogs. Better than some of those people that he knew. My family had a small sheep farm. And so we just had one sheepdog. Her name was Kelly. And she was a black and white border collie. And border collies are supposed to be the smartest breed of dog that there is. But Kelly was probably in the bottom fifth percentile of border collies <laughs> on the intelligence scale. We sent her off to sheepdog school. Yes, they have such a thing. And I think she was the first border collie in history to flunk out. But we loved her. And she loved us. And she protected the sheep. She was a good dog. A good dog protects others. A good dog protects others. A good dog also shows compassion. One of the most misunderstood dog stories in the Bible is the one Jesus tells about Lazarus, that poor man Lazarus who was licked by dogs. Its main focus in the story is to tell about how people will respond or not respond to the risen Jesus. How some people won't even listen to Jesus after he is risen from the dead. And the dogs here in this story play, play a small but crucial role. It's found in, in Luke chapter 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And we're going to get back to that in a minute, but we'll, we'll hear Jesus out with his story. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. He still thinks that others should be waiting on him. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. 
He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Jesus said to them, If they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Now let's go back to the dogs that are licking Lazarus's sores. Now I, I, I know that that might make you a little squeamish. But when you think of the dogs licking Lazarus' sores, that's doggy first aid. I know your mom told you not to share your ice cream cone with the dog. Yuck, dog slobber, it's filthy. How can you do such an insanitary thing? It's disgusting. But dog saliva actually has healing properties. There are chemicals in dog saliva that kill some streptococcus and E. coli bacteria. There are compounds that can relieve irritation and pain and even speed recovery from injury. And even if the saliva did no good, licking is one of the ways that dogs show they care. It's how they comfort themselves and others. So in the story of Lazarus, while the rich guy ignores Lazarus completely, the good dogs do what they can to show compassion to him by licking his sores. A good dog shows compassion. And a good dog stays close to the table of its master. Every morning I make two slices of toast for breakfast. And as I eat it, I have two companions <laughs> who sit patiently by the table, or maybe not so patiently, and as I eat, they can't take their eyes off me. Their eyes follow my hand as it goes to the plate to my mouth. And they wait there with expectation. Because they know, they know that they are going to get something from the table. See, I always save two corners of the toast. It's, it's not that I have a problem with with crusts on toast or bread or anything, it's that I'm going to give them to them when I'm finished. And so with rapt attention, they watch as I eat, waiting for that good treat to fall from the table. And when they get it, they are so happy. They are good dogs. Jesus uses that kind of illustration to show both God's mercy and the anticipation that we should have toward God. The way we should wait upon God with expectation that we'll be blessed, that God can't wait to make us happy and to give us what is good. In Matthew 15, Jesus goes north into Lebanon where he encounters a Canaanite, as in a foreigner, a non-Jewish woman, who begs him, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed with a demon that torments her severely. <clears throat> By calling him the son of David, she's recognizing that he is the Jewish Messiah. But she isn't Jewish. 
And the disciples then tell her to go away. Her constant begging is bothering them. Why should the Jewish Messiah bother with a Gentile woman? And at first, even Jesus seems to think that this way because he tells her, I was sent only to the lost sheep, to the people of Israel. It isn't right to take food away from the children and to feed it to the dogs. Now, is Jesus insulting her here? Is he saying, you're a dog, so you don't matter? Quit begging. Is this a criticism of people like me that would feed the children's toast to the dog? Well, not really. <clears throat> For listen to how the woman responds in Matthew 15, verse 27 and 28. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Yes, Jesus calls her a dog. But she's a good dog. She begs at the table of the Lord because she knows that the Lord is gracious and merciful and even the scraps from God's table are more than enough to take care of all of her needs. <clears throat> like Scooby and Penny, she refuses to go away or take her eyes off the Lord because she knows whose table it is and what comes from that table. She knows that blessings are coming her way. Now if a jog owner can't help but, but respond to the begging of his faithful friends, how much more so the Lord will respond to our prayers and our pleas and show compassion on us. Good dogs, good dogs stay close to the master's table knowing that their master just loves to bless them. And so what's the point of all these good dog, bad dog stories? Well, I know it sounds weird, but, but I guess what I'm saying is be a good dog. Protect others. Show compassion. And stay close to the table of God to receive everything that comes from the Lord. Whether you are a dog person, a cat person, or an elephant person, whatever, we can all choose in a way to live in a way that pleases our master. We can all protect and all care, and all stay close to God. And then when our time on earth here is through, we may hear our master say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. As Jesus says in Matthew 25, or as maybe we might translate it, good dog. Who's a good dog? Well, that's the message for today. But before I pray, I want to go back and challenge that author who said that dogs can't spread the gospel message and have no purpose in the kingdom of God. <coughs> and I want to challenge you as well. If you have a dog, listen up, because dogs can be one of the most effective evangelism tools that you can have. Most people struggle to strike up a conversation with a stranger or to find opportunities to have conversations that could lead to sharing your faith. 
But if you have a dog, you do not have to worry about having conversations. Take them to a dog park. Or walk them through the neighborhood. I can't walk Scooby and Penny anywhere without someone talking to me and, and asking, what are their names? And, and you, can, you can tell them the name of your dog. And then you can say, and what's your name? And the conversation's going. In fact, just last night, um, I had already intended to, to mention this. Just last night, I was walking through the park, and from 100 yards away, in somebody's yard where I could not even see them, at first, because of the bushes, I heard somebody yell out about Scooby and Penny and struck up a conversation from 100 yards away. Dogs are one of the most effective tools because every time you, you think of, of walking your dog, you have an opening for a conversation that might lead someone to know the love of God. When I was... Uh, when I was... A younger pastor, uh, I got a Christian humor magazine, and, and in that magazine, there was a, a cartoon, a comic. It was called Dogs Who Know the Lord. Um, the, the kind of basis of that was uh, that as a pastor, you should be going out and evangelizing the dogs because the dogs make the perfect uh, Christian church member, right? They're faithful, they're loyal, they accept everybody, they're always loving, you know, all of that. <clears throat> but the title of it was Dogs Who Know the Lord. But you know, your dog doesn't have to know the Lord, because you do. And your dog can simply start the conversation that allows you to share, to share Jesus' love with someone. And if you don't have a dog, well, that's okay. Cats will get their turn later in the summer. We'll talk about them and birds and fish and frogs. There is so much that God has to teach us from the creatures of this world. But for today, just think about the dogs. Think about a dog as an evangelism tool and think about the good dogs. The good dogs who protect others and show compassion and stay close to the table of their master. Let's pray. God, we pray that that we might be like those good dogs of Scripture, that we might be ones who protect, show compassion, and especially staying close to you, trusting in your love and the blessings that you will bring to us. Lord, if you can use us this week, then please do so, whether we have a dog or not. May we live in such a way that we might hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or say to us, who's a good boy? Who's a good girl? You are my beloved son and daughter. Good dog.